Matthew 18, starting in verse 18. Verily I say unto you, that whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm in Matthew 18, are you? Yes, I am. I just started sooner than I thought I was. I'm going to jump down to verse 21, actually. I'm sorry. Peter said to him, or Peter, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother my sin against me, or sin against me, and I forgive him? Forgive me for getting all twisted up right here at the beginning. He said, how, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? He said, till seven times. That's a pretty low number. I think Peter really wasn't setting the bar very high there. He just, seven such a specific number too. Like, how about seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Until seventy times seven. We're going to stop right there pray for the word, but I'm going to talk about forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. Let's pray for the word today. God, I, I thank you for your presence that we felt in this house. Lord, I believe that those who came for prayer, Lord, that you have answered them in their situation. I believe that the sick have been healed and we will see the result of these prayers. I believe that already, Lord, you've brought peace and changed minds and hearts and Lord, your presence is, is a healing balm to us, and we thank you for your presence. But I believe that you have a specific word for us today. So for a few minutes, Lord, anoint me. I'm your servant and your vessel today. Anoint me and speak through me to help your people. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Every day, we're faced with questions, decisions, alternatives. Peter's question was, Lord, how often shall, I for, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, Peter had just heard Jesus teaching on offenses and the power of agreement and unity. And when he, when he said... Uh, when he was, you know, talking about if you'll if you'll bind these things in earth, be bound in heaven, loose in earth, loose in heaven. You know, he's he's already teaching about all this stuff, and and still Peter comes to him and says, "Well, how many times can my brother sin against me, and I forgive him?" And even in Matthew six, he had taught them on forgiveness. He said, "For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you." But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That seems really cut and dry. And still, a little bit later, Peter comes to the Lord and says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother when he sins against me? How easily we forget sometimes. And Jesus answered to Peter, when he said, not seven times, but 70 times seven, was not an answer of arithmetic, 
but of the principles of grace and love. We do not do well when we keep count of the offenses of our brethren. Forgiveness is infinite, and any attempt to limit it demonstrates a lack of it. In Mark eleven twenty five, he said, When you stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, the example model prayer that he gave them included, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He said, when you pray, forgive. Anytime that we come to the Lord in prayer, we need to say, Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. Forgiveness is a portion of our holiness to the Lord. Now, after having completely forgiven, we may be required to carry on further and forgive again. Joseph is perhaps the all-time classic example of true forgiveness. He had as much reason to harbor a grudge as any man. But look at his attitude in Genesis 45. He's telling his, his brothers that sold him into slavery. He said, you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. And he says, and God sent me. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God. He realized the purpose and what was going on instead of harboring a grudge against his brothers. No scripture to indicate that Joseph's tenderness was a result of his brother's repentance. He, he never could have raised to the position that he did by nursing a grudge. Joseph's forgiving spirit was evident from their first meeting. It's a great example, and I, I can't just get all into the story of Joseph, but I want to use him as an example because maybe besides Jesus, nobody's ever had more reason to harbor a grudge. So the question is posed to us, must I forgive my brother? Can I forgive? And what does it mean to really forgive? That's what I get for stapling stuff. I'm still old school. I haven't moved on to an iPad yet. It's just the way it is. Many misconceptions exist because about forgiveness. Most people have learned or have never learned what it truly is to forgive. And so these misconceptions uh, exist. And it's one of the hardest things for us to do to forgive because there is an idea that someone has got to pay. Our human nature cries out for justice. Forgiveness is just too easy on the offender. It doesn't seem the logical thing to do. Well, so then... Logically, 
What are the alternatives to forgiveness? And for a moment, let's, let's just set the Bible aside and see what this really looks like logically. Because one, one alternative to forgiveness is retaliation. Revenge. Strike back. Get even. Don't let them get away with it. My God, our inability to let them get away with it. The evildoer needs to pay. They need to suffer. They need to learn a lesson. Can't afford to let them off that easy. Let me tell you today that you cannot afford not to let them off. Because retaliation simply puts, it, it transfers the guilt and shame onto your head. The whole object of revenge is to get even. And that is exactly what it does. It drags you down and justifies the offender's actions, becomes a license for further offense. Retaliation is not a good alternative to forgiveness. Another alternative might be restitution. Surely we're entitled to this even if we can't get even. Our sense of justice demands it. We must be paid in full, maybe with interest. However, any serious look at this alternative concludes that it's virtually impossible. I say, no amount of money will ever replace the presence of a loved one. Infinite number of repeated favors never restore a ruined reputation. It doesn't work well. Doesn't, doesn't work well in marriage situations. Doesn't work well in ministry. Doesn't work well in, in any area of our life. Restitution. You can't demand enough payment that it will ever satisfy you. Because fulfillment is in forgiveness. You cannot be paid enough in any way, in any form, in any currency for that wound to be healed. Fulfillment is in forgiveness. And so restitution is not a viable option, a good alternative to forgiveness. I know I'm teaching more than preaching today, but this is the word the Lord has for us today. And so what do we move on to striking off retaliation and restitution? What do we, what do we got left now? Well, we can choose resentment. And our carnal nature, it grasps for the next best thing. And so we hold on to a grudge. We don't let it go. And we even convince ourselves that that feels good. But people who are hurt by hatred, bitterness, after a while they have attitudes that are so obvious that even unspiritual people are able to easily discern them. It becomes easy to identify a person who is consumed with offense and hurt and cynicism and bitterness that even the most unspiritual person can discern that spirit. 
It bleeds through after a while. It, we think that we can hold it in this shell, but it corrodes the shell after a while and it seeps out. It doesn't work. It, it sours the sweetest dispositions. It breaks the closest ties. It destroys the strength of the healthiest bodies, spiritually and physically. There are literally dozens of illnesses attributed by medical science to stress and unforgiveness, and bitterness, and holding grudges. You can research it for yourself if you want to, but it's physically, unforgiveness will kill you. The stress and the strain of holding a grudge will break your body down. And it'll break a body down. In Leviticus, the Lord said, I am the Lord. I like when he says something like that before he says a kind of an unrelated statement. He's just asserting his authority that, hey, listen what I'm saying. He said, I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Now that's what we do. We say, I'm, I'm not going to speak ill of them. In public, I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the bigger person. I'm not gonna talk about them. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a big deal about this. But the Lord said, "Don't hate your brother in your heart." And that's where our issue comes in a lot of times. Is that I'll, I'll say I, I forgive them. I'll say I'm the bigger person. But that hatred is in our heart, and I mean hatred. That's a strong word, but that's the Lord said, don't hate your brother in your heart. One of the heaviest burdens that you will ever carry in your life is a grudge. That bitterness. It, it will kill you. And I'm using strong words on purpose because I mean what I'm saying. It will kill you. It will break you down. And so, that's not a good alternative. Well, maybe reservation then. The only alternative left to forgiveness is live and let live. Don't hurt him. Don't hate him. Don't do anything. Just ignore him. And this is where we're getting uncomfortable. Because this is where we live a lot of times. I'm just going to live as if they're not even on the planet. Don't try to restore the relationship or the friendship. Sensible people don't have to continually expose themselves to hurt, do they? Does God require that of us? Let's go back to what the scripture has to say. Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 38, Ye have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if a man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him two miles. 
Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. How many believes you got to love your enemies? Now, how many believes that love is action? Help us, Jesus. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That doesn't sound like live and let live to me. Why, Jesus, why do I have to behave this way? He said in verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. The child's, the apple's not going to fall far from the tree, so to speak. We don't like that. We say, no, I'm, I cut toxic people out of my life. Now, let me clear up. You don't have to give everyone access to everything in your life. You don't have to be weighed down by toxic relationship, toxic. Uh, you don't have to be weighed down by those things and let those things corrupt your life. But you do have to actively love even your enemies. And we say, well, I'm, I'm, not anybody, I'm not anybody's enemy. Or I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have any enemies. Well, that, that's the thing sometimes. We, you know, I, I've said that before that I'm, I'm not going to be their enemy even if they want to be my enemy. I'm not going to be theirs if, even if they want to be mine. But that is hard for us. And I feel, I feel like this is largely what the Holy Ghost wants to help us with today. Sorry if you wanted to run the aisles. Because when we have that live and let live, it still creates an open door for a grudge to be nursed. Eventually, it, 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 that bitterness still creeps in. Because if I'm not actively loving them, then I'm going to start to hate them. If I'm not actively doing good to them, then I'm going to start to do evil to them. If I'm not lifting them up, even though they stomp me down, if I'm not lifting them up, then I'm going to start to stomp them down. And it doesn't make sense to our flesh. It doesn't make sense to our flesh. I may have to allow some peace to be interrupted in my life if that's what it takes to fulfill the teachings of Jesus on this subject. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 19 through 21, he said, Dear beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now let me spend just a moment 
on the misconceptions about this passage. Because as soon as we say, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We start going, yeah, get them. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's right, Jesus is going to take care of them. I'm Jesus' favorite kid. Jesus is going to punish them. We say, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to feed them. I'm going to give them, give them to drink when they're thirsty. Because when I do that, it, it puts coals of fire on their head. First of all, the Lord said, I'll repay. Well, let me break it down. He said, vengeance is mine. So right off the bat, vengeance is not yours. So don't try and get vengeance. That's, that's cut and dry, black and white. Vengeance is mine, not yours. I don't have to read any further into that. I will repay, saith the Lord. He's not repaying them. He's repaying you. He's not repaying them with wrath and punishment. He's repaying you with peace and joy in your heart and in your mind and in your emotions. I'm not going to twist the scripture to help me with my bitter attitude and my hateful heart. It's got nothing to do with the punishment of the one that hurt me. The Lord said, I'm going to repay you. Not them. And heaping coals of fire on his head. That, that obscure statement is the object of a lot of uh, debate theologically. But either, any way that you want to look at it, it's not a revenge scripture. It's not a phrase of revenge and harming my enemy. I, I, I think if anything, it... Uh, tells us that have you ever done wrong and you knew that you did wrong not even well to God but to someone else and but they are still good to you and it feels horrible that's coals of fire on your head <laughs> I don't need to make them feel horrible. I don't need to throw coals of fire at their head. It's going to be there. And hopefully that will lead to repentance. I'm trying to help us today. Logically, I simply cannot afford any of the alternatives to forgiveness. I need true, real forgiveness. Can I go for just a couple more minutes today? You can't afford to not forgive. There was a young man being counseled by John Wesley. And he said, I will never forgive him. And Wesley said, then I hope, sir, that you never sin. The problem for a man that refuses to forgive is that he burns the very bridge over which he must someday pass. When we refuse to forgive, we burn the bridge that we're going to have to go over at some point. Ezra 9 and 15 are, We are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. All of us. Matthew 18. We read that, so likewise uh, shall my heavenly... Well, let, let, me, let me actually go further into that in Matthew uh, 18. 
23. I'm going to go back to these verses. Therefore, he teaches them something here in a, in a, a parable. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. And look, it's time to wake up, somebody. Um, he was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. He forgave him all his debt. But the same servant that was just forgiven went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, not in prayer. Took him by the throat. Again, not in prayer. If I ever see that in the altar, I'm going to have to karate chop somebody. Repent later. Saying, pay me what you owe. He had just been forgiven all his debt, and now this guy owes him a measly hundred pence. And he takes him by the throat and says, pay me what you owe. His fellow servant fell down at his feet, besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. Just like he had just said. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay his debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest of me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now this is the scary scripture. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if from your hearts forgive not one his brother their trespasses. That's tough. But the message is clear that we have, we have an immeasurable debt to God. Offenses of others are nothing in comparison to what God has done for us. Nothing. Mark eleven twenty six. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So, what is forgiveness then? Is it just taking the knocks, shrugging off the hurt, overlooking the offense? It is perhaps the most difficult voluntary decision we are ever called upon to make because it denies us of our rights. Justice asks the offender to pay while forgiveness says, I'll pay. Pays a tremendous price, accepts the consequences of wrong, and lets guilt go free. Not a receipt for payments, but the unwarranted cancellation of debt. Heaping the sin of another upon oneself, taking their place and letting him go free. Does that not sound like somebody we know? 
Does that not sound like a father who canceled our debt, transferred our sin upon himself, nailed it to a cross, suffered and died for us to forgive us for an unpayable debt? And he said, if you don't forgive like I forgive, then you won't be forgiven. Not just forgive because I forgive, forgive as I forgive. That means the way I do it, you do it. And it's applied to every situation, family, friendships, reputation, church, job, money, business, you know, a free gift of undeserved pardon because that is what he did for us. You musicians can come as I'm coming to a close today. I, I want us to find a place in this altar today. Again, this is probably not what you expected from me today. Jesus had the opportunity to all of the alternatives to forgiveness. He said in one place, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. Just two angels destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Legions, that's bad news. He could have stopped it. He could have not just stopped it, but punished his tormentors. But true forgiveness, when learned, is one of God's greatest blessings and gifts. Not just a gift that we can receive, but a gift that we give. As you have freely received, freely give. That's what the Bible says. True forgiveness yields freedom and joy and peace and levity from an unburdened soul. It's the strength of Romans 8 and 1. There's now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because when we walk after the Spirit, we'll forgive. So how often, Jesus, and you can stand with me, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How often can she do this and I forgive her? How much, Jesus, can they get away with? You'll never discover the amazing depths of God's mercy for you until you learn to forgive your brother and your sister. And I feel today in the Holy Ghost, I, I felt to preach this to us today because we can shout and dance and Feel the presence of God, experience things in the presence of God, but there is a limit to our progress. There is a hindrance to how far we can go when the chains of unforgiveness are wrapped around us. And maybe this isn't for you, but at some point it's going to be. But somebody today feels a fire burning inside of their heart because you know the Lord is speaking.
There was something burning in him as he spoke. As you've heard the word of God today, something is burning inside of you. Because you know, God, I've got, I've got unforgiveness in my heart. Church, you can't, you can't say enough inspirational things on Facebook. You can't put enough Pinterest quotes on your Instagram story to fill the hole and heal the wound of unforgiveness. You can try and fool everybody that you're the bigger person. And that's maybe they believe you. And you know what? Good job for not, forgive me for saying this, but showing your tail and, you know, being that bigger person in the eyes of everyone else. You're saving yourself a lot of problems there, but you still got problems inside. And I want to tell you today that the Lord is here in this place to heal some hearts. Because I'm just going to be plain with you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. That there, there are walks with God. There's ministry. On an individual level, but eventually it affects the church as a whole. There are things that are being hindered by unforgiveness. And the Lord let me know recently that if we're not careful, our whole identity can be found in our crutch of hurt and offense. And you might be like those ones that told the Lord that time, this is a hard saying, but it's necessary nonetheless. And so what I'm asking everyone to do today, I'm, I'm not commanding anyone, but I'm inviting you, I'm imploring you to come to the altar, find a place to pray and ask God to cleanse you from any grudge or bitterness or offense or unforgiveness. And, you know, the phrase, go the extra mile, that was in here first. I just read it. They ask you to go one mile, go another. I want us to pray today, God, help me to go the extra mile. That I don't just say I forgive but help me to actively, help me to actively love my enemy. Help me to actively love the ones that hate me, that have hurt me. God, I cannot carry this anymore. I cannot carry this anymore. I feel like I'm speaking to somebody today. God, I cannot carry this burden anymore. Can we come to these altars right now? God, I'm laying down my pride. I'm laying down my need for repayment. I'm laying down my need for everybody to see why they're wrong. I don't need that anymore. God, I just need to have forgiveness in my heart. Some of this goes so much deeper than what a lot of you are even thinking. God, I've, I forgive the person who tore my family apart. God, I forgive the person that abused me when I was a child. 
God, I forgive the person that, that threw dirt on my name. God, I forgive the person who came against me. The Lord's trying to do heart surgery in this place today. God, I forgive. I forgive the one that took my innocence. I forgive the one who hurt me so deeply. God, I forgive. I lay it on these altars today. And church, I know it's heavy, but if you lay these things on the altar, there's going to be a feeling of freedom and forgiveness and, and, and liberty in this house today. Let's pray and seek the Lord.